born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Paul had already determined. He already knew. He already made up his mind. He's going to Jerusalem. Does that mean that he disobeyed the Holy Spirit? Maybe. I don't know. I really don't care. I just know that whenever I get to heaven, I don't think we're going to shine much of a light compared to his. And that God greatly used this man. I do not know enough to stand in judgment upon all the decisions and some things that I try to put in there about the motive of why Paul did what he did. Was it the directive will of God and he disobeyed it or God permitted him to go, which evidently he permitted him because he allowed him to do it. God could stop and hinder him. I do believe that God intervened in his life when he got there. And I'll show you that in just a minute. So he says there in verse 13, then Paul answered, what mean ye to weep and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, you remember, Paul says, I want to go to Rome. If you ever read the book of Rome, the first chapter, he says, I am ready to preach the gospel at Rome. I am ready to die. I'm ready. Whatever it is, he was ready. And... He did die at Rome. He didn't die in Jerusalem. But Paul says, I don't know all what's going to befall me. Only that the Holy Spirit revealed that I am going to be bound. And he probably knew that he was going to die because he told him, he says, you'll never see my face again. But how much? I don't know. I do believe this. I believe that Paul had made the statement that I will become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. To the Jew, I become as a Jew. To the Gentiles, as a Gentile. So Paul did what he did in order that he might win a lot of people. Uh, Like a person one time, they got a hold of Dr. Moody and they heard him speak. And they told him, says, I don't like the way you present the gospel. He said, well, ma'am, how do you do it? Well, Well, I don't. Well, I like the way of doing it the way I do better than the way that you don't do it. Now, notice what he says here. Verse 14, when he would not be persuaded, we ceased saying, the will of the Lord be done. Just whatever is the Lord's will, let the Lord's will be done. If you go and you die, the will of the Lord be done. Whatever God wants, 
Paul had made up his mind. We could argue for the rest of eternity over it, but I think it would be better just to wait till we get to heaven, and then I'll let Paul tell me. Wouldn't that be easier? Or let the Lord tell us. We don't have to know everything. All we know is we have a history book in the book of Acts. There's not commands here about what we are to do or not to do. This is a historical fact about what happened, what took place. And it doesn't say it was right, wrong. It just says this is what happened. And in my mind, your mind, we might say, well, he disobeyed the Lord. Well, maybe he disobeyed the Lord and maybe he didn't. Maybe there was a a little extra that was put in there that's not totally revealed. Paul, if you go, this is what's going to happen to you. And maybe he forbade him, or maybe not. I don't know. But we'll find that out. There is another issue a lot worse than that issue that bothers me a lot more. Look down in verse 18. Down in verse 18, says, And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James... Now he's in Jerusalem because verse 17 says so. And James, maybe the pastor there of the church. And it says, and all the elders were present. Now, this is a special meeting. Only the elders were there. And I can understand why he wanted all the members to be there. But they had a problem with Paul. Paul was a problem. You see, Paul was a Jew. And the Jewish people knew about Paul. And that Paul had been out there winning all these Gentiles to the Lord and some of those Jews. And he was telling the Jews that you're no longer under the law. You don't have to keep the law. You don't have to be circumcised, make any sacrifices in the temple. And he didn't how to get the Gentiles to be circumcised like the Jews. And here's James there in Jerusalem. And his church is probably loaded with Jews that believed on the Lord. But still steeped in Jewish tradition. And had a lot of Jewish habits that hadn't been broke. Paul had already wrote the book of Romans and Galatians. But maybe not everybody had gotten a copy of the letter yet. I don't know. But evidently, James wasn't as clear on the subject or would take a stand. I have preached in different churches of people who know the Lord, love the Lord, but lest they would offend some of the people in their church because they loved them so much, they just couldn't tell them the truth. So they would have me come and let me do it. Then they hated me. But whatever he says... In verse 19, when he had saluted them, he declared particular what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And everybody shouted, Amen and Hallelujah and Glory to God. And thou seest, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. And they are all zealous of the what? Of the law. I can't say what they didn't believe, and that means they weren't really saved. No, it says they believed. So can saved people get messed up and don't know about what, what about the law? They've been under this all their lives. And so they've been going to the temple and offering these sacrifices and all these things. And so there's so much teaching they didn't understand yet. So they said, Paul, we want you to do us a favor. We just want you to compromise just a little bit. 
But whatever the goal was, I assure you, it didn't work. They said, we have these Jews here, and Paul, they've all heard about you. We want you to show them that you are not as bad as they think. All we want you to do, we've got four brethren in the church, and they have a Nazarite vow. And so they want to end their vow, but they're poor brethren. We want you to take them to the temple, and they're to make their pledges and so forth of ending their vow and then shaving their heads. And then after that, seven days, they were to offer the sacrifice, an offering. And Paul, you ought to show that you still love the law and you still love Moses. And so if you'll do this, and also for yourself, because remember, uh, Paul had shaved his head. But as far as we know, he never offered a sacrifice. And so if you do this, it'll convince everybody that you're not really against the law. It really goes against everything the Apostle Paul had taught. So it was going to be a difficult situation. Paul is like between a rock and a hard place. Do I do this or do I not? Now, there's a lot of truth that I know about certain things. And I go to a church and I know that they may have a particular problem. I don't have to try to speak on that problem just because I know there's a particular problem. There's so much I can say without being antagonistic or divisive. So for the sake of the gospel, I may not say something. For example, I've been to a funeral. And most of the people may be of a certain religious belief. Let's just say, for example, if they're the Catholic faith. I do not have to attack the Catholic faith and try to prove how wrong something is. I just want to go ahead and present the gospel and get people to trust the Lord. Now, did I compromise? I, I don't think I compromise. But in the eyes of some people, because I didn't attack them and try to prove to them how wrong they you compromised. You were afraid. No, it's a matter of being wise. I would rather win people than win an argument. You can win an argument and lose a soul. Now, who's more important? Me winning the argument or getting a soul to trust Christ as Savior? So he says here in verse 21, And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the customs or the traditions. What is it there for? I mean, what, what would it mean? What, what would be the big problem? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. They, they know you're here. Do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. Take them and purify thyself with them, and be at charges with them. It means you pay for it. That will show them, because a lot of time richer people would pay vows that other people owe, and he says, if you'll do this for them, it'll really go a long way toward harmony and producing the peace that we want in the church. Because, Paul, they've heard about you. So in verse 24, 
them take, purify thyself with them, and be at charge with them, and that they may shave their heads, and all may know that these things, whereof they were informed concerning thee, are nothing, but that thou thyself also walketh orderly and keepeth the law. It's hard to believe that James said this. But James said this. Now, the Apostle Paul has a decision to make. Do I or do I not? Now, for the sake of the gospel, is this what he means when he says, I become as a Jew to win the Jew? And I'll become like a Gentile to win the Gentiles? Those with the law, those without the law? Mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. It may refer to that. See, there's some things that we may do that are very questionable. I've been questioned a lot of times in my Christian life. My motives. I've had people question my They know the real reason why you did something. And I thought, you ain't got a clue. You see, because of Paul's love for the gospel, for his people, he may have, in his mind, done what he thought was the best thing to do for the sake of gospel to try to reach people. Why did he ever come back to Jerusalem? To try to win people to Christ. That was his reason for coming. Now here's an opportunity. So I don't know what was going on in Paul's mind. But there is a good possibility that Paul may have compromised. But in his mind, he may just see it as another opportunity of way of doing something. Because he knew that sacrifice means nothing. He preached that. He said that it means absolute nothing. Chapter 8 of the book of 1 Corinthians. He knew. But he did it anyway. For the sake of peace. To show that he was not as bad as they thought. And then maybe they'll listen to more than he said. But did that work? It didn't work. Because look what happened. In verse 26, then Paul took the men and the next day purifying himself with them entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the day of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. He knew that a blood sacrifice in the temple should not be done. He knew this. He knew it had no effect. But for the sake of others, he was going to do this because that's. What it says, why they wanted it done. But before he could actually do that, I believe God intervened. In verse 27, and when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews, which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple, stirred up all the people and laid hands on him, crying out. Now, here's people from Asia that came there. Remember, they came here for this great day, this great meeting, this Festival, you know, the feast. And lo and behold, people from Asia who knew Paul. This is the man that turned the whole world upside down. They didn't like him there. And now they've come to Jerusalem. They don't like him here either. And they stirred up the people. From what I can see is he never got a chance to make that offering. Hmm. In verse 28, crying out, men of Israel... Help! This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place. 
Wait a minute, that's exactly what James didn't want to happen. Maybe the ones who compromised was James in them. Sorry about that, James. And Paul, for the sake of the gospel, and for those people, was willing to do what he did. There's a good possibility Paul may have compromised. And it wasn't the right thing to do. But I don't know everything. I know what happened. I don't know everything that God approved of or didn't approve of. And this is a transition time where they were going. I do believe that after this, there's a good possibility that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews for the Hebrew Christians to understand the purpose of freedom from the law. So, if you read all of this, and then you study the book of Hebrews, you'll see what they had to go through. It was rough. For Jewish people who was in Judaism, steeped in Judaism, and then to try to come out of that. So, I've never been there, so I don't have to worry about coming out of it. I don't know what it's like. But Paul loved his people. And look what he says. In this verse, 28, he says, This is the man that teacheth all men everywhere against the people, against the law, and against this place. And further brought Greeks also into the temple, and hath polluted this holy place. And then look what it says in verse 29. It's in italic, I mean in parentheses. For they had seen before with him in this city Trophimus an Egyptian or an Ephesian whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. Something they thought that happened over in Ephesus come over here and caused an uproar. And Paul wasn't even guilty of that. They supposed that he had done it. And then they got a hold of Paul and thought that he was the fellow that it took about 3,000 or more out into the wilderness and that, that were murderers. And they said, aren't you the same guy? It seemed like it didn't matter what happened. Everything Paul did was, went wrong. Everything was against him. He couldn't win. And sometimes you wonder whether or not, I wonder if Paul had second thoughts. You know, maybe I shouldn't have come. I don't know. But God had to intervene in his life, even here, if it is just the directive will. That's why I try to get people to do this. Don't be afraid of making decisions. Because you can't hold back all the time and not decide to do something. That's like the man who had a talent and just buried it in the ground because I was afraid. And he lived the whole life afraid of trying something. It's better to step out of the boat once in a while. Even if you sink, at least you did something. You got out of the boat. And plant some seed and see if something will grow. But look what he says here. In verse 30. And all the city was moved and the people ran together. And they took Paul, drew him out of the temple. And forthwith the doors were shut. And as they went about to kill him. Boy, he hadn't been there long, had he? Well, it didn't take long. One man, a little Jewish man. Caused all this problem. And look at what he says in verse 31. And they all went about to kill him, 
tidings came unto the chief captain of the band that, get this, all Jerusalem was in an uproar. What was the one thing James didn't want to happen? But remember this, if there was a compromise, you don't win. If he did compromise, don't you do it. You better be sure you heard from on high before you do anything that violates this book. But I don't think God will ever lead you to do anything contrary to the book. The Holy Spirit can never lead you contrary to the Word. He wrote the Word. The Holy Spirit will always lead you to do right. And look what he says here in verse 32. Who immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down unto him. And when they saw the chief captain and the soldiers, they left beating of Paul. I mean, here's a man being beaten. He has to be up in age by now. I just couldn't stand it if a bunch of guys got together and started beating up on me. You realize how that would hurt? Somebody beat, now you can beat on him, I don't care. He, he's young, he can take it. But to beat on a guy at my age, I don't think Paul ever lived to be as old as I am now. I, I think Paul was in his 60s, but then who really cares? Uh, look at verse 33 real quick. Then the chief captain came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. He had, he's not the one that did the wrong. Wouldn't you want to chain the one that's doing the wrong? Here's an innocent man. He didn't hurt anybody. And they took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and demanded, Hey, who are you? What have you done? You usually find that out before you put him in chains. You know, before you get arrested, they usually, well, maybe that's why we have better laws. Verse 34, some cried one thing, some another among the multitude. And when he could not know the certainty for the tumult, he commanded him to be carried into the castle. Now, that's a, the, a Gentile Roman like fort um, castle that's next to where the temple was. And so they took him there. Verse 35, and when he came upon the stairs... So it was that he was born of the soldiers for the violence of the people. For the multitude of the people followed after, crying, away with him. Now, what, what had Paul done? All he ever spoke was the truth. He was a good man, a godly man. He had harmed nobody, killed nobody, stole from nobody. But everybody hated him. And you said, you know, I'd love to be like the apostle Paul. Boy, I wish God would use me like he used Paul. Oh, really? Are you willing to pay that kind of a price? There's a price to pay. That's why we're still reading about Paul. And people named their kids after Paul. They named their dogs after Nero. So he says here in verse 36, And the multitude of the people followed after Away with him. And as Paul was to be led into the castle, he said unto the chief captain, May I speak unto thee? Who said, Can thou speak Greek? Are not thou that Egyptian, which before these days made an uproar and led it out into the wilderness? Four thousand men. I said three. I was wrong. Four thousand men that were murderers. But Paul says, I am a man which am a Jew of Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, and I beseech thee, allow me to speak unto the people. What was Paul's main goal? I still want to preach. I still want to preach. Wait till you hear his testimony when he finally gets a chance. 
It's awesome. But he makes a statement here in verse 40. And when he had given him license, Paul stood on the stairs, beckoned with the hand unto the people. And when there was made a great silence, he spake unto them in the Hebrew tongue. And then we get to hear the defense of the great apostle Paul. Why he did what he did. Don't you think it would be good to know what he did? And why he did it? We're going to cover that next Wednesday night. Don't be too hard on the fella. He is a man of like passion, just like we are. When they beat him, I bet he hurt. And when they cut him, I bet he bled. When they chopped off his head, I believe that he died. I believe he had a lot of problems and a lot of weaknesses, just like we do. But God used him. You see, we think sometimes these people in the Bible, they were like gods. No, they weren't. They were men. Men who had to face a lot of problems. And not everybody loved them and looked up to them. And nobody, no. But they got the gospel out through all of these things that happened. And that's why I love reading the story of the great apostle Paul. Look up here. And if you're watching by internet tonight, letting this hand represent you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin upon us. The Bible says that God, he loves us. He hates what we do wrong, but he does love us. And the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God in hell. And God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, we have to be perfect as righteous as God. See, most people don't know that you have to be perfect. They don't know you've got to be righteous as God. They think they just got to be Pretty good. And God says there's none righteous, no, not one. Nobody has ever lived where they're good enough to go to heaven. God says all have sinned and come short of God's perfection. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord, God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from the Lord. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, did not have to die. He came into the world took our sins, all of them, paid for them on the cross and came back from the dead. And God said that if we would believe he did it for us, he would put this payment to our account and we'd get to go to heaven on what Jesus Christ did for us. Salvation is free. Christ paid for it. He died for me. He died for you. And the only thing we have to do to go to heaven is to believe that he did it for us. And if you believe he did this for you, he saves you from hell, gives you eternal life, and you get to go to heaven on what Christ did. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around, if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, or if you're watching by Internet, understand this. God loves you. Will you trust him? Will you take him at his word? You see, you may know a lot of things about the Lord, but you must trust him. You must depend upon him. One of the ways you know you're really trusting him to take you to heaven is when you stop trying to earn your way. Trust Christ as your Savior. Father, we thank you so much for all you've done for us. We're thankful for this time together, and we thank you, Lord, that you saw fit to put these things in your word. It's not about perfect men. It's about men, men that you used and used in a great way. And Father, whether Paul was right or wrong in some of these things, I don't know. 
I really don't care. It's over with, and you'll reward him for what he did, and you'll reward us for what we do. Help us to learn from it. If it was a compromise, help us not to compromise. But help us to have the attitude that, Lord, I'm not only willing to be bound for you, I'm willing to die. Thank you so much for this time together. Bless us in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard that faith without works is dead? Or have you ever read James chapter 2? Does your faith produce good works? Some teach that if you don't serve the Lord, you're not saved. Is that true or false? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book. Or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me